episode of Zero Brightness is brought to you by you. You can head to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to support the show directly and get bonus content multiple times per week. Thank you to everyone who supports the show, and I look forward to meeting more of you soon. Previously, way long ago, we did an episode about how to be an ethical consumer of video games. Then you and I did a follow-up episode where we talked about the, you know, the difficulties of being an ethical consumer of video games. And like, it's still difficult. It turns out. Yeah. Well, I think in the first episode, the conclusion was kind of uh, vague. You know, where it's like, well, I don't know. And then the second one was like, yes, it is possible, but it's very difficult and requires investment from the audience. And I think you and I are in agreement that it's worth it for the audience to try and that the audience needs to try. Um, And then I did a third episode, which was all about um, labor in America. And it was specifically about people trying to unionize at Activision Blizzard. And I talked to like a member of the organization. They weren't a union at that time. That was, it's called a better ABK. Uh, and they were trying to get, you know, a union going. They're trying to agitate for better treatment of workers and workers' rights at Activision Blizzard. And they still are. They still are. And the reason that I want to make this episode today is because so much has happened since mm-hmm. then. Like, big shit. So much has happened, and things have gone in some predictable routes and some really unpredictable routes. But it's just wild because, like, I've been out here telling people that it's like, you have to try. You have to try and make smart choices. You have to try and make choices that follow, like, a political stance leading to, like, a future you want to see. Because otherwise, this shit's going to go really fucking left. And... Boy, howdy, I think shit has gone pretty off the rails. So to be clear, you mean left as in bad, not left as in politically, not left as in politically left. I mean, left as in the shit went left. Like we tried to rob that guy's car and someone in the trunk had a gun. (laughs) Well, as a a left handed person and someone who just played a game where there was someone in the trunk of a car with a gun, I'm upset. (laughs) what the fuck <laughs> that's what what game has little mans in the trunks with guns remember we we just talked about it <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i forgot but you think that i played a game where there's just like a dude that's like he that's just like in the trunk with a gun he just like runs around because he's only a foot tall i did kind of think that yeah and you just hear like footsteps in your trunk all the time you're like what is that what is, what is that, that? And every time you look, he Uh, just like glues himself to the speakers up top so you can't see him. Sorry again to all the condemned Criminal Origins fans. I've already forgotten everything about that game. (laughs) I'm not sorry. So I I spent money on that game twice. All right. I don't I don't have to apologize for shit. Yeah, for sure. Um, But yeah, so things have just gotten very, very weird. And so there's two big topics that I want to talk about and give some context to in this conversation and the two big topics are labor and unionization as i just mentioned and the other one is nfts and crypto and the way that people are Mm. trying to incorporate that in the video game space or in the video games industry yeah 
because I did some research and I looked into some of this shit and it is fucking psychotic. And so oh, dude, it's bad. It's bad. And I do feel pretty strongly that right now we're basically at the crossroads. Like we're at the place where we collectively kind of decide, like, are we going to at least try and make our dissatisfaction with these things known? Or are we just going to say what happens happens? Cause like, yeah, I, I just think we're there, you know? And that's kind of like in the mm-hmm. previous episodes, a lot of it was focused on that idea of like, you know, how do you make informed decisions that support your own mor- morals and politics? And like, when do you make those decisions? Like that was a big thing of like, you know, sometimes you make a decision that you know is not right, but it's also like a low stakes thing. You know, it's like, I know this isn't the right thing to do, but it's a low stakes thing. I'm just going to do it for now and just kind of hold myself accountable later. But there's other (laughs) times when it's like, this is an important moment. Like this is a pretty important moment to make a decision and take a stand. And I think that a lot of the stuff we're talking about today, like we're at that point right now for various reasons, you know? Yeah. I mean, Hey, in defense of that particular viewpoint um i'm the product of like always trying to make a stand yeah and being like all oh, this shit all adds up baby i have to do it all the time it sucks i'm not gonna lie to you guys it honks right like my dumbass thinks about overwatch every two days <laughs> but i have to be like i i can't i can't i cannot do it i can't yeah and you know that'll come up because that's that company and all that stuff yada yada but like yeah it's tough and you know at some point i ignorance is sort of bliss i guess so if you're out there and you're just not worried about it half the time congratulations well (laughs) i'm sick i'm sick of this shit man I'm, i'm tired boss well i know but see the thing that i keep trying to reiterate in these episodes i'm glad that you said that Um, because that's the thing I keep trying to reiterate is that like there are people for whom that just like you don't get a choice it's not a choice like your whole existence is politicized and so like you constantly have to think about that shit and that's how I ended up with this like mindset like that's how I ended up thinking about this shit and I always think about it in my head as like hyper politics where it's just like everything is politics so it's like everything you buy everything you say everything you do is like Mm -hmm. politics like I ended up that way because like I'm you know Lebanese Muslim person and like my whole childhood even before 9-11 and then definitely after 9-11 was just like you know your whole existence is orbiting around this idea that like there's people who hate you and want to kill you and you need to try and not support those people because like in the event that you're not going to go over and like literally join the resistance and like get you know like pick up arms the very least you can do is be like okay i'm not gonna support the people who are like giving money to the government that's like genociding me you know what i mean and so it's like that was never a choice like yeah i guess technically i had the choice that i could have said well i don't care but i just 
my brain doesn't work that way. Like my brain just does not work that way. I would never be able to just say like, Oh, I don't care. Like, I don't care about all these people who I'm related to and all these people who I've met and people who are the same ethnicity or religion as me. Like, I'm just, I can't do that. And some people can. And yeah, you know what? Great. (laughs) Good for you. But like, I'm never going to think that way. And so I think that for people like us and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how we arrived at this place. We both arrived at this place. Like you do have to consider the political ramifications of your actions and like i think that for me i realized that the way that i would describe it to someone who is like super apathetic and doesn't give a shit is that in the same way that people say that they search out small pleasures in their life i think people like us search out like little rebellions right (laughs) where it's like you know how how can i make this small stand and then how can i do it every day and have a giant collection of these things so that i at least feel like i'm doing the bare minimum on top of whatever like active things that i'm doing like maybe i'm actively doing political agitation or something like that yeah passively you also need to have those things and i think I think that's really important because like that's that's how we get into discussions about language changing. That's how we get into discussions about like policies changing and and things like that is because, you know, people recognize the power in small actions. Yeah, I wish I had um, like that because that's like a really fun way to look at it. I think Uh, I don't but I don't have that. It's not to say that like I hate being me or I regret being a quote unquote ethical consumer, but like it's, that's just, just an everyday thing for me. And the downside is, is the more that you do it every day, the more you realize people don't do it every day or they never do it or they're resistant to it. And I think like you brought up like, just like the most apathetic person possible Sometimes I feel like the worst thing is not that person. It's the people who carry themselves like they are a quote unquote leftist, which is a word we throw around a lot in these particular conversations, I guess. Yeah. But like in practice, it's still just like you, you're still doing the like you can't if you believe the things you say, you you can't buy Diablo four when it comes out. You can't do that <laughs> unless between now and then that company has made some really large fundamental changes. You, you kind of can't. Yeah. And maybe like that's your, that was going to be your one, your one break or whatever, but like it's, it never is. Yeah. Like it's never just one, like I'll just, just this one for me. I've been a good boy. One for me, (laughs) this game. It never, that's not what happens. It's like you've been subscribed to Disney plus for five years and you're actually excited for season 14 of the Boba Fett show or whatever. Like, (laughs) but but I think we got into the, like me getting too close into like demonizing people for just liking things. So, I don't want to do that again. Oh yeah, for sure. But I do think, so this is another great point you bring up, which I totally agree with, which is that I think politics have changed in the last two years. Like 
it feels crazy yeah. because a lot of stuff happened in a very compressed amount of time but things are different mm. and i think that that's kind of like we started having these conversations i i think maybe even before covid like on the show right and so from that time to now like things have changed and i think that's kind of what i was sort of poking at you know before and now i'm just fully like trying to hammer home is that like politics have changed a lot like and i get it because for people who are you know in your late 20s to mid 30s which is like where we are and where i think well, a i'm lot, almost out of my mid 30s both of us are should yeah for sure and i think that a lot of our listeners though are in that same place and it's like you even someone like me who's so you know political and so left and whatever you remember the 90s and early 2000s like warm fuzzy feeling of like everything's mm-hmm. going to be okay and like that's gone that's like completely completely gone and things are totally different and in a way they're bleaker but they're also just like a lot more realistic right and i think the big change has been that people have seen conditions degrade they've seen infrastructure fall apart and they're just tired of pointless optimism and they're tired of false positioning right so like I think 2020 and 2021, a big theme was like unmasking centrists as conservatives, right? Because like conservatives and centrists both want the same thing, which is that they want the status quo to stay the same. And so I think that there was a lot of people like us getting mad at people who are more center, center, right? Because it's like, you are saying you want things to stay the same, but we're seen firsthand in extremely gory detail that the status quo was fucking horrible everything is horrible why do you want to go back to that you know like question mark (laughs) (laughs) and i think that's why these conversations now like that's why i keep having them and that's why they keep getting more and more intense because like i i'm trying i'm not really asking anymore why would you want to go back to that it's basically now me being like you are wrong for wanting to go back to that you know what i mean i mean the only thing we should go back to is is monkey right everybody (laughs) which you know yeah hopefully i don't get too like legati pilled um on this episode but like like after you were like you want to do this and i you know i started to like let my brain spool up on the subject a little bit i was like man human consciousness really is just like the worst thing that ever happened oh for sure like this this world would be fine (laughs) without it like we would just be like all the time and we would just fit within a natural cycle everything would have its place God would be in his heaven and all would be right with the world for my, <laughs> for my real heads. Don't, don't DM us. Don't just nothing. Don't respond to that. Um, yeah. Like it's also cause we watched, uh, it wasn't planet earth. It's the other thing on Netflix. That's just the David Attenborough narrated nature thing. Oh, sure. But, you know, those shows are very full of like, Hey, look at this amazing thing about the world, but also like we're ruining it yeah and you know it's just it's always a reminder of like wow being able to think ruined everything for every good thing we have 
like we destroy a million other things and i nothing we nothing we've done as a as like a as a species has like been a net positive for the world at all yeah. nothing we've gotten nothing yeah. like people don't burn women for existing anymore in, in exactly that literal way at least um, uh, which is which is cool, I guess. They I mean, kind of still, still do. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know what I mean, though. At least on like a, a mass scale, we're not just like you winked at me, so you're the devil, and we're gonna torture you now. Sure, that doesn't happen at least in America. Maybe? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, maybe. We see now. I fucked myself because I'm like, I can't prove that this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, but y'all yeah. know what I'm driving at. So. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think kind of what you're saying that's like relative or that's relevant to this conversation is that like we are being confronted with the fact that human progress has taken us to like a very dark place where things are very fucked up and unequal and we're killing the earth and a lot of these things that are just common practice are like killing the earth the environment's fucked and it's and it's showing right because like everybody's sick so many people are dying like all these things are happening and like i don't know it's Mm. just so crazy like i can't imagine living in you know like a full half if not all of america had like horrible air quality all most of last year right because there's just like fires everything's on fire there's just like smoke (laughs) and ash everywhere and like you can't breathe you can't go outside like I can't imagine living through that and just being like, yeah, I mean things are fine. Like everything's fine. And so it's like that's I guess that's what I mean. Like I feel like even outside of this conversation that is really focused on like, you know, or is going to get like focused more on like video games and stuff, like everything is at this crossroads, right? Of like are mm-hmm. we going to accept the way things are or are things going to change? Cause like, you know, we've had sci-fi and we've had, you know, promises from different like governing bodies saying that like, well, you know, the earth could kind of use technology and could use like, you know, the, the wonders of human innovation to like make the earth better, but it's only made things worse. And we're kind of in this like new dark age where everything sucks. Yeah. And it's just like, man like that that's crazy right like you would feel or you would assume that people would start to maybe think like oh we need to change things we need to make a change but like a lot of people don't (coughs) feel that way or they feel opposed to that at all you know what i mean and that's why that is is really hard to pull apart you know like i think it's yeah it's easy to go straight for like the affluent people that just don't concern themselves with anything because they don't have to because you know they <laughs> they get paid too much money to do a job that they probably barely earned anyway and live in their you know McMansions and they do whatever and they don't they don't worry about any of the shit because why would they because they're, they're they they are probably victims of the same type of brainwashing that everybody is but it's it's a more complicated discussion than just like. <laughs> normal whiteies are at it again it's kind of a it's it is a huge probably sociological issue for discussion drag olivia in here and get her to talk about it i don't know (laughs) well for sure and i think that like within so i think it's really 
helpful to kind of look at it from within the kind of like community that we exist in or the community that we like normally address because I think that all this stuff has been playing out in miniature in the world of video games and even in the world of like video game commentary and criticism like we've seen all of this stuff play yeah. out and so like I think that if like 2020 2021 vibe was like okay centrists are actually conservatives I think that where we're at right now 2022 vibe is that libertarians <laughs> are reactionaries and they are hugely hugely prevalent across tech video games and finance like which and those three industries are now converging in a really fucked up and horrifying way yeah and like all these people who claim to be libertarians are just straight up like reactionary far-right pieces of shit of shit pieces of shit pieces of shit pieces of shit pieces of shit it's probably worth noting that like I I think if you like polled a lot of people in those fields, they would not call themselves a libertarian or they wouldn't really have like a political affiliation that they that they label anything. Right. So what I think we're going to generally be talking about is the sort of person that claims to keep things apolitical or, right. you know, just be a neutral you know the sort of person that's always just like well like i don't i don't think the blue should happen but then when you're like well the thing that you engage in actively supports like predators they'll be like oh, no, no you're no, no. like yeah it's those people that's generally who we're talking about i'm sure a decent percentage of those people do call themselves libertarians though well that's what i mean is like i i think yeah i think a lot of those people call themselves libertarians they might call themselves liberals or centrists i mean the language has become super obfuscated and confusing mm-hmm. but what i think and this is the thing i want to talk about here and this is going to maybe feel like a tangent to listeners but it i promise you it's going somewhere i even wrote an outline so i wouldn't get too lost but mm. the cornerstone of all these people's philosophy the thing that they share is that they're reactionaries and like i think that core idea which nobody calls themselves a reactionary it's like a horrible term it's 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 not oh, something yeah. you, but a lot of people are reactionaries uh, and like throwing up in my mouth a little bit. Thinking yeah. That. But, but like, so reactionary politics is super popular in America because it's been the cornerstone of American conservatism since Reagan, like Reagan did that. He ushered in this new era of like, you know, the American right. And it's all about reactionary politics. And I think at the core of reactionary politics is the idea that regression will benefit society. Like society's out of control. Things need to be reined in. We don't need progress. We don't need any new ideas. We need to rein everything in. And what differentiates it from authoritarianism, because if you know, if you know anything about politics you're like wow that sounds like authoritarianism like the difference is that they'll always sell it as democracy as freedom like they want voting and all those sorts of things but they don't actually like the idea of freedom they like the idea of regression and like an easy way to understand it you can think about it that there's like almost like two poles of it right there's the idea of social regression which is basically that like we don't want 
any social issues to develop and change. Like we want things to go back to America in the 1950s where there are socially accepted norms for religion, for sex, for gender, for the nuclear family. And if you want to deviate from those, you shouldn't, but if you do, you should do it in the privacy of your own home and you shouldn't bother your neighbors or God or anybody with it. Um, and the idea of economic regression is basically that the free market reigns over everything. And I think that's where libertarians really get into reactionary politics is the idea of the free market. Cause like, that's like God. super huge. You know what I mean? And You're like to bleep out free market for the rest <laughs> of this episode. I don't want to hear it. Dude. No, I mean, we got to get into this. We have to talk about this. Cause like, okay. So libertarians love the idea of a free market um, in the literal, like commercial way. They mean that like the economy should have no regulations no protections for anybody. If there's a way to make money, you should go out and make it. Even if it's horrible for the environment, even if it kills people, <laughs> does mm. not fucking mm. matter. That's and that's honestly why if like libertarians have frequently on and off over the years had a lot of backlash because people are like, what do you think about human trafficking? And none of them have an answer you want to hear about it. Uh, <laughs> but that's yeah, like but right so that's like the commercial or money side of it but even within ideas libertarians love the idea of a free marketplace of ideas right where it's like anything should be floated once again when you get into things like what do you think about pedophiles none of them have an answer you want to hear um you know but that's like libertarians to me are reactionaries and i think that Right now, that is like an important point that I think people need to understand, or at least maybe if not to understand that every libertarian is a reactionary, but that like the ideas behind libertarian politics have a lot in common with reactionary far right politics. And like, I think that's an important idea because once again, for a lot of the ideas that we're going to talk about, like very shortly if you understand that a lot of the fake premises that people have thrown up really start to fall apart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, a problem is libertarians within their own fucking weird ideology. Like they can't even agree on what they think. Right. Like people just use that term. Like they will just throw libertarian. Like everyone's a, like every single self-described libertarian has like a, like a belief set that is 10% different than the last one you talked to. Right. Like, and you know, not to say that every political ideology should have a strict code you have to follow <laughs> to like be called it quote unquote. Yeah. But typically there's a general baseline and that's like the only one where there basically isn't a baseline. Yeah. Exactly. Like, just like the second some like mouth breather pecker wood that works at Lowe's is just like, I don't like the government. They're just like, I'm a libertarian. I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, I guess. Yeah. I mean, fine. You're not anything good, I'm sure. So you can have that one if you want it. Yeah, for so sure. So it's, it's a mess. So yeah, it, it, it makes talking about it, you know, not hard, but just a little weird. Right. For sure. And so I think we got, recently a great illustration of this and if you thought you were going to throw up in your mouth a minute ago you're going <laughs> to full on like dude you're just going to full on vomit all over I'm yourself gonna but, whorf by yeah, the end of this dude, episode you're about to hork um but Call me i Ralph, think we <laughs> i'll be ralphing we got recently 
we got to see the Super Bowl of like a libertarian coming out fully as like uh, a reactionary far right winger. And that was when Jordan Peterson guested on Joe Rogan's podcast. Mm. Now I about that shit, brother. Yeah, we got to talk about I'm this. going home. Wait, I'm right home. <laughs> You're already at home. We're both at home. I actually watched clips of this because I wanted to talk about it. Um, and I think it's so fascinating um, because, okay, so here's the deal. Jordan Peterson, he's like, I guess you might call, he's like a motivational speaker, maybe like, a, <laughs> I guess like a dime store philosopher who rose to sure. prominence in 2016 he's canadian and you know he was a really weird guy right out the gate because i think i don't know if he ever called himself a libertarian but he definitely defines himself in those same terms like he would not call himself a conservative he would not call himself like a right winger or a reactionary or any of those things so to me it always had a very libertarian vibe like hard to pin him down you know with like a description but everything that he was espousing politically was super far right so he um became infamous for spreading transphobia in relation to the c16 bill in canada which was basically like adding trans people and others as like protected under hate crime laws and his whole thing was like if you do that they're gonna put you in jail for misgendering someone bucko and like I don't know. That was his big talking point. And his other big thing was men's rights. So he became like, mm. if you guys are familiar with the men's rights movement, I hope you're not, honestly. It's super putrid and awful, but it's like... You know it, forget it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's basically this whole thing of like, men are oppressed, men need to be protected or something. It doesn't make any fucking sense, but he was really big in that sphere um promoting like transphobia and promoting like men's rights even going as far to advocate some really insane like um like handmaid's tale type shit where like men should be assigned wives by the government so that they don't become mass shooters yeah. because if they don't you know it's mm -hmm. like it's, it's such like insane garbage but at the same time like he really spent a lot of time making sure that he wasn't labeled as a conservative or like making sure that he wasn't considered to like you know could easily be boxed into a political ideology well that would fuck up his bottom line that's yeah. why because if he got labeled any of those things it would cut you know the amount of visibility he got so by avoiding that which i don't know how you avoid that for so long when everything you say is that but yeah he, he did it yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, I think he avoided it by, you know, willful <laughs> obfuscation and also by kind of diversifying what he was selling. So, like, at that time, he had mm -hmm. become yeah. infamous for being a transphobe and saying that men needed to be assigned wives by the government. I'm sorry, it's called enforced monogamy. Look it up. It's psychotic. Um, it's so psychotic. Guys. He like, does look like someone that would be one of the dudes on Handmaid's Tale, the TV show. Oh, yeah. Oh, big time. Um, like he looks like the main dude kind of. <laughs> but so what's interesting though is that while he was spouting all that, he was actually making his money doing speaking tours and selling a book that was pure self-help. It had, it was almost entirely, as far as my understanding of it, I haven't read it, but my understanding of it is that it was largely apolitical. It was literally just boys do better. 
like you know clean yourself up clean your room get some clothes that fit shit like that and so like he was drawing in a lot of people who weren't politically on the right because he was targeting young desperate unhappy men and giving them so i mean arguably solid advice right like clean your room and buy clothes that fit you is like unfortunately yeah yeah that's like solid ass advice um but so it, it was very difficult to pin him down but of course over covid he we've seen him take a pretty hard right turn just as we've seen with joe rogan joe rogan went from a similar figure for a lot of the same reasons um to now just being like a full-on right winger but <sighs> mm. uh Jordan Peterson's most recent uh, appearance on Jorgen was, in my opinion, <laughs> pure magic because in oh, this man. interview, he in this interview, he dressed up in an ill-fitting suit to fully come out to Daddy Rogan as a classic far right American conservative. And the interview itself is bizarre and incoherent because he is forcing issue after issue into the conversation so that he can reveal his regressive beliefs stuff like queer people are infantilized adults women in the workforce are mentally ill and that like clean energy mm. kills people because people fall off of roofs while installing solar panels like and then also he puts up like a crazy like utopian defense of fracking and says that like fracking is awesome and good, even though fracking just like decimates water supplies and is like is big fracking just behind everything. Yeah, like, it it is shocking how much it comes up and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, how how is this still a thing that not only are we talking about, but like we're like, no, it's good and it should stay the pop. Like, yeah, it just defies normal logic. Oh, for sure. Actually, the popular it's, theory with this interview is that he's getting paid by the oil industry. I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. And like, he's probably going to go do more press where he says all this shit because he's getting paid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. So I, I think you're right. I think that's what it is. But yeah. So like this interview was really fascinating to me because I think over the last couple of years, I personally have seen, and I'm sure Justin, you've seen this. I'm sure at least some of the people listening have seen this, that like we've seen a lot of people come out as whatever over the last couple of years. Like it could be that they, you know, reveal that they have this certain political idea or that they have this certain social idea or whatever. And I think in terms of politics, like a lot of people revealed that they don't believe in any type of collectivism at all, whether it's related to sharing wealth or the health of the planet or the burden of stopping COVID. A lot of people had a lot of time alone to think about themselves, their lives and their place in the world. And they decided that I'm doing me. I'm doing it for Dolo and the rest of you can get fucked. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, what's COVID? <laughs> Oh yeah, do I have to bleep that? <laughs> I haven't heard that. I haven't heard of that yet. What's um, what happened with that? Is that that thing from like three years ago? <laughs> oh yeah, COVID's over. It's been over for sure, of course. Um, Big time over. Yeah, but I so I think that like that is a huge phenomenon, and right now within video games and the issues that I want to talk about today, we're seeing people just fully going in on the like yeah this is what i think fuck you loser get fucked i don't care about you and that's why i 
that's why I started the conversation where I did and why I want to talk about that because it's like I think people need to recognize that we're there and you have to make a decision like you have to take personal responsibility and make a personal choice about like your culpability within like you know the rise of these ideas that you probably don't agree with Peterson Rogan that whole thing Uh uh-huh so my theory with Joe is that decent enough dude at his core problem is he is an absolute buffoon and i can say that as someone who's just a total dumbass i'm not very smart uh-huh. so this guy is just like a fucking just like just ooga booga ask dude and i relate <laughs> and the problem is he has so many psychos come through his his sphere on that fucking show yeah like peterson and it just it has just warped him. Uh-huh. And even when he's having these interviews, like there was a part of that interview where he's like cartoons. Men used to see beautiful women and picture them as steaks. And then Joe Rogan <laughs> and he's like, you can never do that today. You can never have Elsa from Frozen as a steak. And Joe Rogan's just like, you mean like a frozen steak? <laughs> And it's just like, brother, what is going on here? Both of these dudes are like, they're in the Kuiper belt right now. That is how far off this planet they are. But like Joe is just in another galaxy. Yeah, he is dumb as shit. Yeah, for sure. It's it's funny. It would be funny if it was harmless. But unfortunately, it's not harmless because he has the largest of any kind of mind share or literal dollar share involved with Spotify. Yeah. So like that's going to people and changing them for the worse. Right. Um, and you brought up, you know, men's rights activism, which I feel like was a really huge, weird thing. Like 2014 to 20, like going into Trump. Right. And maybe starting to taper off at some point in that process before it converted into, cause it always just changed. Like it's always changing hands. Yeah. And well, I guess we'll get into it later a little bit, but the the concept of NFTs specifically and not crypto in general has really I I think it's really preyed on people who would would also be likely to fall victim to like the MRA mindset. Right. And so that's part of the thing is like, yeah, you don't really see some of this stuff in the general zeitgeist, like it kind of just disappears after a while, but that's just because all of those people find a new thing. Right. And I, the best you can hope for is like, it never really gets a foothold and it kind of just tapers off and bad shit always happens as a result of whatever these ideologies or groups or movements are. But at least sometimes they don't get so out of hand that like it's a mass scale thing. And then it kind of just dies off and you hope the next thing they gravitate towards is at least a pretty harmless and like insular thing when it comes to how it can actually like physically affect another human being that should not be affected by it. Not that anyone should be affected by like what is clearly just like a psychological and emotional like Ponzi scheme. Right. But, you know, once you've got a bunch of psychos who are wearing matching shirts that want, you know, ethnic cleansing, you don't want an innocent person sucked into that and and harmed. So. Yeah, I think. Yeah, like that's exactly why I bring up 
<laughs> Jordan Peterson is like not, you know, not just to illustrate how I think politics have changed over the last couple of years, although I do think it's a very a very nice, easy, compact illustration of that, but also just to show how those ideas can worm their way into this a space and like you say, like actually start changing people for the worse you know and yeah like you're basically just opening up vulnerabilities to these kinds of things it's almost like it's a virus or something and yeah like that's that's what's going on in video games right now that's like fully what's happening within the video game industry right now and yeah it's it's really disturbing <laughs> and it sucks yeah because the bad you know section of gaming is that aspects of what a video game I don't want to say is because that's always changing they're always evolving and so maybe 40 years ago games weren't what they are now but what they are or can be now in more recent times really attracts the sort of person who is susceptible to some of the influence we're talking about. Yeah, for sure. And that's why we're getting... That's kind of why things are where they are now and why there are literal games designed around... It presents like a video game that you've seen before, but the whole thing at its core is you're working... You're literally, quote-unquote, earning cryptocurrency. Yeah, Exactly. Even though you're not, but that's yeah. Again, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but yeah, yeah. Like that's just that's that's this stuff is all really connected in a really gross way. Yes. And like I know before you said, like you know we're we're just gonna talk about it within the quote unquote niche hobby that we occupy, right? But it's actually that's actually not like a small way to look at it because it is all very interwoven, and I think to do any amount of like decent observation into how it's affecting video games you see you like you have to see how it affects everything else and like i can't imagine just being like just a fervent like nft hater but somehow not being able to pull out far enough to to see a bigger picture let's talk about crypto and nfts and i want to preface this by saying that there is a YouTube video that everybody should go watch who has any questions about this topic or who thinks they're... Uh, uh, do we watch the same one? Is it uh, Line Goes Up? Yeah! Yes! <laughs> dude. Okay. That, that is a, it's a very good video. Very well produced. Yeah. Very entertaining. So there's a video. It's called Line Goes Up. It's by a channel called Folding Ideas. Um, the whole channel is cool. It's this dude, Dan Olson. Uh, he does like cultural criticism, not so dissimilar to some of the stuff that we do on this show. Um, but it's very well produced. It's very high quality. Um, this particular video is really amazing. It's, uh, a little over two hours. That sounds like a big commitment. So I would say if you don't have the time for that, listen to it like a podcast, put it on in the background while you do another stuff. Cause it works really well like that all the visual stuff in it is kind of just for fun because a lot of the visual stuff's like gags for the most part he's just yeah. like sitting in a room talking but it is it is shot 
very well and he yeah. he does a good job performing it so you can just sit and watch it like a documentary yeah also he does cut it into chapters pretty yep. effectively yeah so you can just watch it in like you know anywhere from eight to 15 or 20 minute chunks yeah. depending on which section so it is there are many ways to consume it depending on your preferred avenue of like educational consumption yeah for sure and the one thing i'll say too is like everybody definitely needs to watch this like you if you haven't seen it you should pause this and go watch that or listen to that and like it's so good because it lays everything out in a way that is possible to understand but it's still such a crazy dense topic <laughs> that i ended up replaying yeah. parts of it like two or three times because i was like wait what did he just say because like yeah. this whole topic is so complex and it's so hard to understand and the funny thing that the video does reveal uh is that even a lot of the people who are super enthusiastic about it don't even get what it is and they don't get the finer points of like what the whole Ooh, system is dude like as someone on twitter god man some of those people are I, they are beyond saving. Oh, for sure. Um, like, yeah, they are, you it. need to just, uh, I, I don't know. I guess that, I guess I can't actually say any of the things you should do to them on the air. Cause it might get like, <laughs> like by algorithms yeah. and like removed. So yeah. they are just like, man, there is no, I, the number of people I've had tell me that you don't mind cryptocurrency with graphics cards is befuddling. <laughs> I'm like, okay, explain to me why a fucking toaster of a graphics card from three years ago is somehow triple its price just because it's the only thing you can get anymore yeah you you really should watch this video and take your time with it yeah it's broken in the chapters um if you need to turn on half speed or re-listen to parts because that's kind of what i did I think it's really important to understand this stuff because not just because it's such a big topic right now, because it's something that if you play video games, if you enjoy art and media, if you make art and media, like this stuff is in your orbit, right? Like you might be in a, a bubble of sorts or a community like I am, I can say personally I am, where like everyone is lefty enough that everyone hates this shit, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't affect you and it doesn't mean that it's like within your galaxy like you do you need to know about this stuff i think personally and so the way that i want to talk about this in relation to gaming is that i want to talk about like what utility it has to people right because like getting into the real technical like deep stuff I'm not the person to do that. I don't think either of us are the person to do that. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that video does it so well that I think people should just go listen to that to understand how it actually works to get an overview of the technical side of it and to understand like wh why it's such a fucking scam. Um, but I really do want to talk about like what it is to the average person and to the average consumer of video games. Um, so to me, the whole crypto marketplace, which NFTs are a part of the crypto marketplace. We'll get into this in a minute, but the whole crypto marketplace is a completely unregulated financial market. And that's kind of the bottom line that like the people who are super into it, who are super interested in it are the people who believe that the financial market should be completely unregulated. And the reason that financial marketplaces have regulations is because if you don't they completely fall apart and they end up essentially being pyramid schemes like 
you know, like people, when you talk about crypto and you say like, well, it's, it's like imaginary, people are always like, oh, well, like the American dollar is imaginary. And it's like, well, there's also a U.S. treasury. <laughs> so like, you know, yeah, and, they- and the thing to keep in mind is that behind every, whether it's a global economy or a, a local economy, for lack of a better phrase. There are a lot of minds on that. There are a lot of people who have done a lot of work, a lot of studying, a lot of practical work right. to understand how that stuff works. And I, I know it's really nebulous and confusing and insane, and it just sounds fake to everyone, myself included, when you talk about money right. on the scale that these people deal with. But they are It's the same way you go to a dentist to have your teeth worked on. You trust that person to do it. They know what they're doing. You have to trust, or you don't have to, but you know, you trust that like <laughs> people who study economics and different financial matters, whatever, know what they're talking about. Right. And I and I know these people are real because my my late uncle was like a just apparently as I found out one of the top economics people in the whole goddamn world apparently that's crazy um it is that is crazy uh, <laughs> I mean that's legit crazy. but like the problem with crypto is it's not none of these people are those people right. They're all, some of them are quite literally just basement dwelling goblin, like World of Warcraft players. Yeah. That were just like, I've had enough. And then uh-huh. they, they just try to do a thing. And it's that, it's a, it's a really, you know, it's, it's all the comic relief characters you see in a lot of sci fi where it's, it's just a nerd that thinks they've got the answer, that they figured right. out the solution to the problem. And that their truth and what they've created is the only thing you need to 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 do it and get by. Right. And that's the inherent problem with it is that no one actually knows what they're doing. They just think they know what they're doing. And since it's quote unquote unregulated, there's no one there to be like, this doesn't work. There's no legal ramifications. Right. And at this point, it's starting to become regulated bit by bit because it's getting so fucking out of control that everyone starting weird third party like middle of the road management shits subscription services and programs to help all the fucking people indoctrinated into this lifestyle like get a grip on it yeah but even they are connected to just the fucking like multi-level marketing thing of it all yeah and none of it's safe and none of it's none of it's you know like not it's not regulated in a way that will protect you, the individual. Yeah, exactly. Those, those entities do aim directly or indirectly to regulate some amount of the process. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, there's not much legally that can be done for you when something goes wrong. Yeah. No matter what any of these people promise you. There is literally nothing. Yeah. Well, a lot of it is actually much, much worse. So, okay, once again, I'm, I'm going to reference that video a little bit and try and give just like a quick breakdown for people who are super confused about crypto and NFTs and what they even are. I mean, so basically cryptocurrency is currency that is mined using computing power and it's connected to a thing called a blockchain and the blockchain is basically just a ledger of transactions so people's like you know 
mining rigs, quote unquote. They're basically just computers, you know, built to generate cryptocurrency, interact with the blockchain. They solve increasingly difficult mathematical equations. When they solve that, they're rewarded with like a place on the blockchain. And the currency basically is a representation of that place. So it's set up in a way so that over time, as more and more people interact with it, it becomes more and more difficult to generate the currency. So like you mentioned earlier, the only people who've actually made a lot of money on it are either super early adopters or scammers. <laughs> and we'll get into who those people are in a second, because that's actually really or the hyper rich, honestly. But well, even those, Waka Flocka Flame couldn't couldn't penetrate that market. Yeah. My man lost 19K on some apes. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, that that's totally it. But so with cryptocurrency though, like the only constant is the blockchain. And that's actually a huge problem because <laughs> everything else is in flux. So one thing that I thought was really interesting in the video that I didn't know was that it's what's called like a zero trust environment. So there's no security. Like everybody does things um, under pseudonyms, but like beyond that, there is no privacy. And that's why so many people get scammed because you can see who did what and you can see everywhere that a certain, um, you know, piece ended up. Like you can follow a, a single piece of currency and see everywhere that it goes, or you can follow like an NFT. You know what I mean? So there is zero uh, privacy on it, but there's also like zero backend. So all the stuff that you need to actually do something with cryptocurrency, like wallets, like, um, you know, sending currency back and forth and all that stuff is done by third party backend. So not only is there no privacy within the system, there's also no standardization across the system and there's no privacy or guarantee of privacy or guarantee of anything within those third-party backends so that's actually starting to be a huge problem for a couple reasons number one like you alluded to is that people are just literally getting robbed because you can (laughs) drop a piece of code like you can give someone an ft that's a piece of code um and it'll clear out their wallet and send it all the person who sent the token with the code and there's no protections of that in a technical way there's no protections against that in a legal way like it's it's crazy it's once again it's totally unregulated but the other problem is because all of these back-end systems once again for wallets or for transfers or whatever are all third party um they don't always talk to each other and so it's gotten so bad that some places are letting people quote unquote store currency, but it's literally just letting you like write that I have this much with a note under it that says it's somewhere else. It's and an IOU for all intents and purposes. Exactly. And so it's like, if you think about it in terms of like the normal like economies that we interact with every day, it's like if I could just go out on the sidewalk outside of my apartment and set up a lemonade stand that says bank and like, I let you give me money and then I can just like, yeah, write you an IOU. You take the IOU and think, okay, I have money. But like all you did was literally just give me your money and I gave you a piece of paper. Like that's how like deeply psychotically unregulated cryptocurrency is right now. And like I said, I think the the presence of the people who are actually making money on off of this should 
give everyone pause because on the one hand you have the early adopters and the hyper rich right so like early adopters obviously are the people who helped start this shit and who mined early or mined when this stuff was not as valuable um you've got the hyper rich who are just like crazy like emirati guys like buying nfts of like charlie bit me or fucking whatever who are you know like just like the idle rich who don't know what the fuck to do with themselves but then now you've got scammers and that's where you've got all these like youtubers and twitch streamers who are basically partnering with someone to create a coin like a type of cryptocurrency urging all their fans to buy it when the coin is at peak they sell all of their stock and immediately devalue it it's called a pump and dump scheme it's an old stock market um grift that people have been doing for decades but now it's like you know like absolute fucking idiots like aiden ross and jake paul are now doing it to like their fucking fan bases and it's just like it's crazy dude it's like the only way you can make money on it is scamming people and the other part if if that doesn't even happen is that the more popular a particular currency becomes or an nft becomes you get like the the higher it becomes in popularity the more likely it is to attract like bots and scammers and all that shit right so then the likelihood that there are more people who just get fucking got increases right and you know but you know it's a cycle of you know you think you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna go to the bottom of that list you're gonna find the least popular one you're gonna get in on it quote unquote early you know that's the cycle and you know and unfortunately with with no privacy and (laughs) regulation there's not a whole lot to stop you from getting got once you get some money and that's the thing you'll never you'll never have the level of wealth that a lot of the people you aspire to have. Right. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's, that is the fucked up, unfortunate cycle of it. And it, it's the same way that capitalist societies like America run is on corporations profiting off the labor of poor people. Right. It's the same thing. No matter how, no matter what the like the system is behind the the currency like how, like how it's accrued it it basically just all comes back to some poor fucking schmuck who doesn't know any better or who is so bad off that they have to risk it right they they do they stand to lose the most so that someone else can gain exponentially more right than than the person who is the victim, which then just you know goes into their giant pool of money that they already have anyway. Because of course, once you have five million dollars, you want ten million dollars, and then you want twenty, and then you want yeah, you know, it just keeps going forever and ever. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know the same problems we all have with capitalism, obviously, would transfer to uh, to crypto. But it seems like there is some amount of artists getting duped into falling for the the concept of like no nfts are good for art right you can sell your art this way we promise so yeah. all not all of them i'm not like would never say that every artist is at fault for this but there were some artists that ostensibly are anti-capitalist for instance who would have fallen for the grift and yeah. been like, no, this is the future because they 
didn't put in the effort to research it or understand what was happening. Someone just made them promises. Tale as old as time. Everyone gets fucked except for whoever made the promises. For sure. I think that before we move on to like specifically talk about NFTs because that's where it really gets into the stuff that video game companies are trying to do and specifically Ubisoft is trying to do um, you make hey, a couple Ubisoft's of- fucked man you want to talk about something <laughs> ending man them do them boys is out I don't <laughs> no amount of like we got the Breaking Bad man on our game is going to save those motherfuckers they are yeah. just toast oh yeah for sure but like so before we get into that though you make a couple interesting points that i do want to just like reiterate put a pin in when we talk about the whole crypto market and number one is like i think the most important point from that line goes up video once again go watch that video if you haven't yet the most important point he makes is that a lot of the people who are super invested in this and there's another type of person is who i forgot to mention which is like old school stock market grifters like the wolf of wall street guy like fucking come on right like <laughs> it's like if you go to a club and there's like a, a bunch of dudes who are a certain way hanging out outside you're like oh yeah like i probably don't want to go in there this is like that 100 percent um kind of reminds me of the time we tried to load into the probably the worst club in minneapolis and i saw a dude uh just like break his phone on the sidewalk and start like screaming uncontrollably and i was like man why are we going in here anyway what what kind of guy what kind of phone was it like a flip phone was this just like it was a flip phone he was like a weird little dude wearing really big pants i don't know (laughs) oh like trip pants kind of yeah Oh, was this like was this like that vine where he's like so no head and then he smashes his phone and his skateboard yes it was a lot like that Okay. Well, I hope he got some head at least. I mean, a lady came and picked him up, so who knows how the rest of the mm, day went. Mm, redemption arc. Let's mm. go. Uh, anyway, so the point here, <laughs> the point that I was trying to make, um, people who are really into this shit make a lot of promises. And one of them is like, look at how bad capitalism is. Look at how bad the financial system is right now. This is a better alternative. The truth is, is that it's a worse alternative because it has all the same problems plus some other problems plus zero regulation. So like whatever promises people are making are false. Another big thing being that like, you know, some of these people are making really utopian promises where it's like people in third world countries can, you know, find a new way to make like passive income or whatever. And it never works. It's all just a scam. The only reason people are in it is to make passive income with cryptocurrency in a third world country. Who said that? That was who there's a number of schemes. Um, there were a number I'm of I'm going to go to all of their houses and <laughs> become their best friend because if I say anything else I will get flagged <laughs> and reported to the FBI. I, I love, just want to be their I friend. I love how you all. changed after getting kicked off of Twitter. I love it. <laughs> it's real. They're coming for us, man. It's so funny. You don't um, understand. You've never been booted. I've, yeah, I'm like not really on Twitter. Um, anyway. Yeah, it sucks though for real. For yeah. Real. It seems like accessible. I would never, I can't. Um, but yeah, so like that, that is like basically the point that I wanted to make is it's just like, it is like the current financial system that we all struggle under, but it's worse. And like, there is an opportunity for people to make money, but they have to do really bad things and they have to scam other people and they have to hurt other people like that that's essentially the bottom line of it any other 
promise is just that it's a false promise. And like, even like the most reputable, the oldest, you know, whatever of these coins is Bitcoin and Elon Musk just plays with Bitcoin for fun. Like he'll just make a tweet that's like, let's Mm -hmm. crash Bitcoin. And it does. Or he'll even enact a policy like when he um, stopped accepting uh, Bitcoin at Tesla, like for purchases, it crashed. And it's like anyone who starts one of these coins or manages one of these coins can just fully crash it for fun or profit. And like, that's how fucked it is. Cause some of these people get rich enough. Initially they'll do it for profit so they can do a pump and dump. But then later it's like, they'll just do it for fun. So it's like, is this really a system you want to participate in? Is this something you want to hit your fucking wagon to the best case, you know, for this whole thing is that it's basically, and not that it reset any economic system or anything like that, but it kind of it, it put a fork in the road and created like a divergent economic path right. where there could just be a new set of like old money shitheads. Yes, exactly. Like it's just it's just a new economy to get a new select number of people to become rich who will then exploit poor people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Until the thing falls apart and, you know, maybe it um it it sort of the fork gets pulled out later and it and it merges back with the main road or maybe right. it stays divergent forever maybe the shit never goes away and there's always a fucking sucker no yeah. matter what happens which is a dark thought yeah for but sure I, but i i would hope that people would have enough of being like man i bought my 18th 400 ape picture and i'm still poor yeah let's talk about nfts because like crypto bad market bad but how do you make it worse nfts so nfts add a whole other layer to the equation um they're basically a different type of cryptocurrency and this is where it gets like kind of confusing because an nft can be any digital thing the most popular ones are literally just like jpeg images that's why there's a joke about people right click saving them um but it can also be anything it can be a line of code it can be um well i mean it it can literally be anything so some of these are actually like full games like people have programmed like little miniature video games and sold them as like an nft because like the t in it is token so it doesn't necessarily have to be an image it can be technically anything and that's what i was referencing earlier like some of them are viruses (laughs) like they'll just they'll be like oh here's your nft it's a fucking virus that robs you of all of your wallet it'll just clear out whatever you have in your wallet yeah, just ask Waka Flocka. He'll tell you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, dude. He got got. Um, but so the interesting thing about NFTs, though, is that a lot of times their main utility is to get people excited about something else, usually a crypto coin. Right. So like a lot of times when people launch these, they have a full business plan and even a roadmap. That's another really interesting thing from that line goes up video is that like they'll put out a roadmap like you would see in like an online video game. Right. Like Mm -hmm. an MMO or some like an MMO light like Destiny or something like you'll see a roadmap for like here's when this Don't piece say of the D word around me. Okay. I'm in recovery. Oh, sorry. Please show sorry. some respect. <laughs> sorry, pal. Damn. Uh, I'm a bad influence. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not dissimilar to like Kickstarter. It kind of the same theory of like you you will you will you will attract more buyers or consumers or people who engage with your whatever it is if you give them an idea of what what they will be getting as time goes right. on if they adopt your thing or engage with it or whatever. Yeah. I'm sure we're on the way to it sort of working its way into other media and just aspects of society and not specifically for more niche categories like, you know, service-based video games or NFTs. Yeah, but for sure. But yeah, so like the thing about NFTs, I mean, the the two major problems with them, I guess to really simplify it. And once again, if you should go watch that video if you want the deep dive, but like I think the two major problems with them, number one is that they really are always representative of a scam. Cuz like you can say cryptocurrency is a scam. I have said that. I totally stand by that. But there is underlying all of it theoretically a currency (laughs) like Mm -hmm. there is theoretically like a thing that it does but like with nfts it doesn't have inherent value there isn't anything underlying it and it's pretty much only sold as a way to get people excited about some other thing to invest in some other thing and to generate hype that's another interesting thing from that video he talks about how like internal hype is one of the biggest components of all of these scams like they need a group of people who are super excited who will buy these things and then parade them around either you know in the community discord for these scams or on twitter as their avatars which is where most people have seen them and where most people are getting like bullied and dunked on fully earned (laughs) also by the way like it's it's like one of the two places where like bullying is okay because like fuck those people but like um it's always like the figurehead of a scam and the other thing is that all of crypto including nfts in the currency is horrible for the environment the amount of energy that they're pulling in to do this is psychotic it is like actively killing the planet and adding another layer onto it like nfts is just making the problem worse and that's like the big big immediate objection that all of us had like self-included was like this is so fucking bad for the environment why are you doing this especially once again for something that like in its name admits to not having any value like why are you doing this the only reason these things exist is to build hype for scams and so that people are excited about the scams can trade them amongst each other it's like it's crazy (laughs) And it's like, it's just really upsetting because in order for people to feel this tiny bit of power over nothing, they're not only fucking themselves because they always get scammed and conned and robbed. They're also fucking the planet by wasting all this energy on this nonsense, you know? And so it's just, it's really upsetting. Yeah. In a way, this isn't completely dissimilar to the concept of well, I'm going to buy these comic books because they'll be worth something one day. I'm going to fucking get 800 Funko Pops because they're going to be worth something someday. Right. Like, and I know that some of that's rooted in just (laughs) weird problems people have where they want to have things and, you know, you get the dopamine hit from being a 90s kid. You want to collect stuff, all that shit. And I'd say that maybe crypto and NFTs are better 
simply because they're digital and that at least eliminates the just like landfill bait shit that I've talked about on the show before. Right. But it kind of doesn't because it's such an environmentally taxing thing. And it's it's been really <laughs> disheartening to watch all this shit people do to try to like counteract that while still engaging with it. And the thing that my brain always goes to and it hurts especially because, you know, I'm a musician. We're musicians is like Interpol did a fucking NFT thing <laughs> and they were like, oh, but we're offsetting it by planting trees. And I'm like, that's not how any of this works. Right. Planting three trees per NFT does not does not fix. It doesn't offset anything. Right. Like. Yeah, it might help with the thing 50 years from now when that tree is as big as it needs to be. But by then we're going to have created a whole new fucking set of problems on top of the problems we created now. So you're not offsetting anything. You're just making a hollow gesture. So you feel better about this weird fake money bullshit that you've bought into. Right. And then I feel bad for listening to antics because <laughs> you guys won't stop doing American Express tours and shit. And you know, I blame it on the cool bass player leaving. When oh, the yeah. when the weird like goth ass platform Doc Martin's bass player left that band, it went downhill. Oh yeah, Carlos D when he left, the shit was fucked for sure. I thought that was the drummer, but I guess I don't nah, know names man. very well typically. Carlos so. D, dude, Lord of the Bass. Yeah. Guy rocks. He, I remember he left and in his statement he was just like yeah I really want to do like some soundtrack work so if somebody can like hire me <laughs> it was like really <laughs> really unprofessional in a way that I thought fucking rocked I loved it um, hope he's but, doing okay yeah I'm sure he's, he's doing fine um, but yeah no like you're, you're totally right and I, and I think that like it is you kind of mentioned this earlier and i think it's a good thing to talk about now is like a lot of artists and unwitting people got roped into the whole nft scam and i think that for a lot of them it was two things number one they probably just didn't understand what it was because like a lot of us didn't and like i said i'm still not even the expert like at all but I feel like I have a handle on it now. But like a lot of people just didn't get what you it was. You know enough not to get fucking duped, at least. Right, exactly. But like a lot of people just straight up didn't know what it was. And I think a lot of other people who did know what it was and were trying to make money didn't realize that it's a scam and they're too late. Like, you know, like you want to know who made money on NFTs is the people who became memes who went into it really early because one yeah one guy from the emirates like bought all of that shit like he mm -hmm. bought all of them he bought overly attached girlfriend he bought mm -hmm. uh, uh bad luck steve or whatever like he bought all of them mm -hmm. and like so those people were able to cash out and make like 300k but everybody yeah interpol being like here's our nft of the letters in the name interpol or whatever they didn't make any money they got roped into a scam it probably ended with them having some negligible amount of crypto that they don't know what to do with can't spend or actually withdraw or anything the problem with like that specific example is like i don't think that you I, like i don't i'm not accusing anybody in, in interpol of being like oh that we have our own nfts we have our own coin you know all that shit they've gotten big enough that i think 
that whole thing was someone came to them and they yeah. were like, hey, this whole NFT thing, blah, 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 because like <laughs> at the size they are, clearly they do some amount of like, sure, we do the equivalent of a podcast taking a like Squarespace ad placement thing. Right. Like they're a big enough band now somehow that they do that. Sort. So someone came to them. They don't know jack shit. They're just like, cool, sign off on it, whatever. Yeah. So usually when and when a celebrity's involved with it, I'm not necessarily accusing a celebrity of directly attempting to just like bamboozle a bunch of poor people or whatever. Yeah. But the problem is they you know, of course, is that's just how rich people seem to tend to be, is they don't they don't look into what this thing is that's gonna make them some money. Someone is just paying them to get involved with this so that they because they're that's the thing I the assumption I'm making and I don't have a clear picture on how it works with like people that are already extremely wealthy is I'm assuming that they're getting duped too effectively yeah now they don't they don't lose anything but they're not getting as much as the person who's you know uh, puppeteering them for lack of a better term for sure they're gonna come to them say do this say this get your ape, whatever, and then some guy somewhere is going to make $800,000 off of it, and then that celebrity is just going to be like, well, I made like fifty grand, so I'll go to the Four Seasons for a weekend. Or yeah. yeah, I don't I don't know how those people view money or think about it or work with it, but that's... Yeah, for sure. Typically what I assume happens, I don't think most celebrities are here to, to fuck with anyone. I, I will say at least fuck Matt Damon for that goddamn awful fucking ad for crypto.com oh yeah (laughs) yeah that god and like the day i saw that advertisement i was like man he looks dead-eyed as shit in this but like i don't know there's something about acting for someone in this particular um you know, avenue of whatever that really bothers me in a way that like Paris Hilton talking about apes on the Jimmy Fallon show does not bother me. Yeah. That still bothered me, but yeah, Matt Damon bothered me more. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think that's why it's important once again, to kind of go back to the beginning. I think it's important for people to know about this stuff and be literate about this stuff because it's easy for it to infiltrate normal spaces just through the guise of tech positivity so like people who are tech positive Mm -hmm. tech forward they're interested in new things happening in that realm you know you can just pass this off as like it's just another thing like that you know like but it's not actually it's like literally a really damaging scam to everybody and the earth and so i think that's that's kind of how it has made its way into video games Uh, is basically through you know under the guise of tech positivity and there is a lot of positivity within like the deepest darkest corporate gulags of the video game industry Um, and nobody is more excited about this than ubisoft so ubisoft don't give square enix some fucking credit here they pretty keen on some fucking non-fungible tokens square enix have you not seen any of that no i Square is like they are Square is the other company that's like, we know you guys don't like crypto, but it is the future and we're doubling down on it. Ubisoft has has said the same thing. And it's it's interesting because like so a lot of the positivity surrounding 
um, NFTs in video games has basically been this weird, super make-believe, like utopian pitch that, you know, mostly within MMOs, but within any video game that has any sort of online component, you know, players could buy NFTs that would represent real in-game items, and then they could also... (laughs) trade them. real air quote in game yeah. items <laughs> air quote like well exactly and and so then people could trade them and do whatever they want with them you know like they would with an nft but it would affect whatever they've got going on in the video game so the hilarious part of this is that there's no way to actually do that without once again developing another third party backend this time that specifically links to a specific video game. There were also even people who were floating the idea that you could do it in between video games, which makes even less sense because it's like, what? Like, how is one item going to go from one video game to another video game? Like, magic? Like, what? what is, what is the... I mean, te- there's, there's shit, you know, there's profile pictures and frames for your gamer tag that would transfer from... Call of Duty Warzone to Call of Duty Battlefields. But I'm just people are doing that because people were saying this isn't like in between publishers, like in between devs and publishers mm, and shit like that. Like, yeah, maybe, but like no one would ever play nice in that way unless there's enough money in it for them, which I don't. That's not how crypto works. Yeah, exactly. It's It's not designed for like, hey, you get with me and then we get with each other and then we do this thing. And there's no. There's no Xbox putting Game Pass on the Switch equivalent to these gaming companies doing crypto that plays with other games. That's not how they, unless they drastically restructure everything about the economics of the gaming industry, that's not how that shit works. Well, exactly. And that's like the main thing that I took away from reading about Ubisoft and their plans for NFTs is that basically blockchain tech has zero value or utility within the game space it does not represent a substantial upgrade to existing tech it's just a cheap way to bypass coding your own marketplace Um, there's an interesting moment in that line goes up video where he compares the whole like cryptocurrency marketplace to the steam marketplace and it's actually like a super useful um uh, comparison you okay. know he's basically like you like steam cards are basically nfts the gems they break down to are cryptocurrency the marketplace itself is a third party backend like that's the easiest way to understand crypto and that to me was when i was like oh that makes a lot of sense the point here is that any company if they wanted to code and you know, run their own item marketplace, they could. Companies already do that for MMOs. Like, and offline games have DLC. Like, this isn't a new idea at all. It's literally just a cheaper and less secure and more dangerous way for a publisher like Ubisoft to fuck around with this and also a way for them to speculate in a market that at least the people at the top of this company believe there's a substantial chance that they could make some money so far it's been a huge disaster they've sold nothing people hate it mm-hmm. um it's it's just been a huge disaster to them but i think like that the whole ubisoft debacle is super illustrative of just like how this can go you know what i mean because it's like if people don't understand 
what these companies are trying to do and that they like really really need to oppose it like we're just gonna get caught within another weird scheme or scam because like the way the thing that really freaked me out about this and the thing that really scared me was that okay so like a week ago it came out that the dark souls servers had a huge huge vulnerability in them like the worst vulnerability an online video game server can have people were getting their computers hacked and bricked that is literally my worst nightmare that is why i like a big reason why i've (laughs) barely played like any games online and so like obviously elden ring is about to come out i'm super hyped for it i want to play it day (laughs) day one now i'm like freaking out because just out of sheer luck i stopped playing dark souls 2 i guess before this whole exploit started popping off and like i'm freaked out so you think about it now with like just the way that video games are released like there's so many more things you have to worry about in terms of safety cybersecurity, etc 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 the thought of companies trying to integrate this other thing into their launchers or marketplaces that could just easily leak all of your info and just erode your privacy completely is a fucking nightmare and like companies like ubisoft that like big publishers like that or anyone who has a launcher anybody gamers should be riding them so fucking hard about cybersecurity, so that they don't have time to even fuck around with this crypto shit at all like the fact that ubisoft did this is such a giant giant insult to like everybody and i just think it's like it's like the worst outcome in terms of like cybersecurity. Yeah, like I said before, I think that the reality of everyone being mad at them is more due to a they see NFTs as more microtransactions. Yeah. So it just it's it's more of a like it's the it's kind of the it's the stuff that they that everyone was mad about five or ten years ago or whatever just happening again is kind of how they see it. And I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a net positive that they all hate it, and most companies have been like, okay, we we promise not to do it. But you've still got some of the bigger companies in the industry being like, no, we're doubling down on it. It's happening. You can't stop it. It's the future. We promise you just need to listen to us, you dumb idiots. Which I don't know why they think that doing that will end well for them. I don't know why they think calling some of the most just like reactionary, like insane consumers basically idiots and saying they don't understand the future or whatever, like how they think that's going to go for them. Well, yeah, I'm sure Square Enix is feeling like hot shit because their, their MMO was so fucking popular. It literally broke the servers that they had, but like it sets an upsetting precedent that even when everyone's like collectively like, absolutely not, man, they're still like, no, we're going to do it. And we're just going to keep doing it until you understand. That's a little it's a little dystopian for me. Yeah. No, for sure. And that's why, I mean, like I said, that's why we're at the crossroads. It's not even me philosophizing. It's like they're literally telling you that, like, they think this horrible, fucked up idea is the future and the best thing they can do. And, like, people need to tell them no. Because if people don't tell them no, <laughs> they're going to keep going. Like, even with like these marketplaces being a huge failure, like you say, they're still trying to keep going. Like it needs to be restated. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's so frustrating. And that's why like 
once again, I think like the time for like fence sitting or centrism or what, what about ism is like so far over, um, which is mm-hmm. kind of why I was like talking about political positions at the beginning of this episode. Like, it's like, we're so far past that, that people need to just be actively antagonizing publishers who are doing this shit. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, I yeah. think people need to reject it and they need to be super aggressive about how they reject it because once again i guess this is maybe getting into like the point of all of this in a very like blatant way is that like these companies are trying to scam you and not only that they're trying to fuck over like everybody they're trying to fuck over the environment they're trying to fuck over Mm -hmm. their consumers they're trying to fuck over the people who are getting wrapped up in these like crypto and nft scams and getting like you know robbed they're trying to fuck over everybody and they're being super blatant about it. Basically Ubisoft and I guess Square Square Enix, um, it's still so hard not to call them Squaresoft. Uh, Ubisoft and Square Enix are basically having their Jordan Peterson in an ill-fitting tuxedo on Joe Rogan's podcast moment. And like, I want people to carry that image. Like when they read the quote from, you know, Ubisoft in this like horrifying interview that everybody wrote about, like, they need to read it in Jordan Peterson's voice, right? Like we really need to be hearing these ridiculous quotes in his horrible Kermit the Frog voice. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's just, that's just how it has to be. Like you can't just look at it. It's like, oh, it's just them fucking around. They'll stop. Cause it's like, no, they're not going to fucking stop unless you tell them to stop it's psychotic like this is not normal behavior you know what i mean uh maybe maybe ubisoft just knows stuff we don't because it's obviously their business and they have the numbers and they're just on a such a downward spiral that they're like we have to pull up from this somehow how do we do it other than fooling people into giving us large sums of money but like yeah so my understanding of how at least a company like Ubisoft was attempting because you know I don't know how Square Enix wants to do it. They just expressed like enthusiastic interest in NFTs, which is alarming enough. But uh, I'm my assumption with a company like Ubisoft is they're sort of they're sort of removing the traditional microtransaction model because the way they usually you know, sell this, this shit to you is like in game items, quote unquote. Right. Which usually means a skin or a, a, a emote or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The scary thing, the scary thought is that, yeah, it starts at $5 for that emote or that skin, but maybe like Ubi coin or whatever is on the rise because ostensibly you can interact with it outside of the game. You could just be a fucking crypto bro who wants in on it. And then it gets, it goes higher up that chain. Right. And then the price of that shit increases dramatically. Yeah. But at some point that like with my understanding, the economics for it all to work, it's not that, you know, that particular one you had is going to be worth 400 and then you you can still buy a $2 one and, and get ahead on the action it's gonna fuck up the prices on everything. Yeah. And then you start to alienate people because, you know, that's the thing that naturally happens in games with that stuff is people are like, well, I want, 
you know, wings for my Diablo character or whatever. Yeah. Like everybody wants to, you know, you, you create a sense of exclusion and that's why you have people who scream about pay to win and all that stuff. Cause they don't look as cool as the guy that looks super cool, you know, whatever. Right. And I think when you start to bring like some very real economic class divides into a game like that, you're, uh, you're, you're gonna do some real fucked up damage to things. Yeah. And then, and you know, that's, that's really bad for consumers and that's bad for them in a way that I'm not sure they understand quite yet. Yeah. But the other thing and the thing that I concern myself with more, cause like I can't save some fucking dumb schmuck who wants to pay 500 fucking dollars for a booba skin or whatever. <laughs> and I can't, I can't save Ubisoft CEOs who are all just, you know, predators anyway. Right. The, people I'm worried about are the people who work at that dev studio because ostensibly if you're creating all this unique shit, people have to make the unique shit in this case. It's not just like a, it's not an auto generated AI image JPEG or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's, and you know, some of that stuff's hand drawn sort of, and they're usually done in limited numbers. But if your video games chase, insane player bases so you can't only do 500 of something you have to do tens of thousands maybe more and even if you get away with doing less it's like a seasonal thing of like you're gonna have to keep making more stuff constantly so then you're just overworking developers because you're like well you can't just make you can't just design one character skin that we can sell to everyone yeah you have to design a thousand of them then they all have to be at least a little bit different and yeah. you know in a situation like that it can't be like oh well the belt buckle on this character is different it can't be that because it needs to be more noticeable because no one's going to want to buy something that looks almost identical to someone else's something well yeah so you're just you're creating an absolutely psycho situation for everybody involved and sure the guy at the top of the chain at ubisoft just doesn't give a fuck he just wants money and i say yeah. he because you know it's a man like it's just not it's just not good that's a great segue into you know talking about labor because once again when you look at the whole nft thing in video games and the way that they are trying to um, integrate it the only reason that you would want to do that instead of just normal things like dlc and making your own marketplace which everybody has already accepted because you don't have to use it right like it's there for people who want it everyone else can ignore it you can have a problem with it that's totally fine you can you know have a strong issue with it also totally fine but generally i'd say everybody's kind of accepted it you know there's people like me who just don't spend a dime after purchasing the game there's other people who spend lots of money on it it is what it is the only reason that you would want to move that towards crypto is if once again you are like a libertarian reactionary piece of shit and you want to get in on this unregulated financial market because you think you can scam people and make some quick cash like logically there's no other reason because like i said looking at the tech it has zero value or utility beyond what already exists. It does not represent a substantial upgrade to what already exists within video games, within launchers, within third-party backends for buying DLC and things like that. Like that stuff is already way past the blockchain. The tech does not add any value. And in fact, it is horrible because it creates a lot more waste and stress on the environment. So it's like, 
The only reason that you would see this as a good path forward or the proper path forward is if you had shitty politics. And recently, we've seen that these publishers all have shitty politics. So like Ubisoft has had so many scandals, it's hard to keep up with now. You know, there's tons of assault scandals, they're union busters. And now, you know, Activision Blizzard, which I have covered previously on the show, is like straight up union busting, right? And so like, if you haven't listened to the episode that I did all about this, where I had a special guest um, who is like someone who works at Activision Blizzard, who spoke to me anonymously about this whole issue, um, you know, basically people have been, you will, first of all, you should go listen to that episode. And secondly, I guess to sum it up, people have been trying to unionize within that company so that workers have more rights because a lot of workers at that company are treated really, really poorly. They've had their own sexual misconduct scandals, which tons of people high up in the food chain, including the CEO, Bobby Kotick, have willfully hidden, like they knew what was going on and they hid it. Even beyond that, you know, people are overworked and underpaid. People are not paid uh, consistently across the company. And, you know, the worker who I spoke to works in QA and they were even talking a lot about how like where they work geographically means that they get paid more because there's a higher minimum wage, but people working in like Texas get paid shit, you know? So like there's all these issues, people across different uh, branches of the company are trying to unionize to try and, you know, get something going at the company. And the response from the company was this kind of nebulous positivity. Like, yeah, we're working with everybody to try and make things better, blah, 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 you know, whatever. Um, and what ended up happening is Microsoft bought the company for some psychotic yeah. amount of money that I can't remember. Uh, almost 70 billion. Yeah. 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 Which is crazy. And so what came out in the immediate aftermath of that, because there was a lot of confusion, right? People were saying, how has Bobby Kotick not resigned yet? This is, you know, absolutely his last plane out of Saigon situation. What the fuck is he doing? Why is the company just not responding to people like unionizing, et cetera, et cetera. And now we know why. Uh, basically, if he leaves after the sale is complete, he gets a huge, huge mega payout from the company. So he's basically hanging on until the sale is completed. He can resign, get a massive payout. But in the meantime, the company is union busting. They're taking people from the Raven QA department um, that was organizing with a national organization, the Communications Workers of America, um, to unionize. And they're splitting them up in the different departments. They're forcing a vote and they're, yeah, aggressively trying to crush this union. So once again, this is them putting on the ill-fitting suit and going on the Joe Rogan podcast and saying that we should frack. Like, I think that if you listen to that episode or you listen to me tell you my opinions on stuff and you thought, I don't think it's that serious or I don't need to reject this or, you know, not support this company or whatever, it is that serious. And they are telling you that it is that serious. And like, I think it's really interesting to look at this company and to look at Ubisoft and see that like every time somebody makes a criticism of them, they deny it and then they prove it true with their actions. Like, I don't know what else to say about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's bad enough 
now with all this shit. And I think I think in all the ways that all of these companies want to engage with this particular quote unquote economic system, um, it, it's obvious that that system just preys upon a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's just one more gigantic wrinkle in like ethical consumption. Yeah. Like, and it's just, they just keep giving you too many reasons to not engage with them anymore. But it still seems that everyone does. Right. All the time. Yeah. Everyone's always got a reason why they don't have to worry about it or it's not a big deal. And everyone loves to clown on fucking NFTs. Everybody. Right. Everyone's doing it. Everyone in the Discord's doing it. Everyone on Twitter's doing it. It's happening all the time. But I get the impression that it's just because it's fun to clown on it. Because, haha, the apes. Yeah. But now that these companies want a piece of that, it's not so fun to clown on it anymore because maybe maybe you'll have to feel bad about playing the next Assassin's Creed game or whatever. Yeah. And like it, you know, and and, you know, I, I guess maybe I had some strong opinions the last time we talked about ethics, quote unquote, but, and but I still try to be like, you know, I'm not, I'm just one person and I'm a psycho, but I'm, I'm being pushed into a place where I don't think I am the psycho anymore. No, absolutely. I think I fully reserve the right to be like, Hey, you can play that if you want, but I think you're a tremendous piece of shit for it. Yeah. And there's no questioning that. And you have no objective argument against me anymore because there's just so many reasons for you not to do that. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, like I, I, and I, I hate it, but my personal life and just society at large has really driven me into a place where like, I don't have, I don't have it anymore. Like, yeah. The yeah. next time I have to see some person be like, no, I'm a good person. I'm going to be like, well, then fucking act like it because <laughs> yeah. I'm getting tired of this. I'm tired of just tired of the incessant, you know, ooh, uh, I love Disney stuff shit or that I have to play. Because like that's like I don't I don't I don't play Overwatch. I, I like you don't understand how many like good memories I have of that game and bad ones. Yeah, like it was also a bad depression symptom for me, all this shit. But, you know, at the end of the day, I've gotten better with that. And I just want to play the game where I'm the big monkey dude in the jet in the jetpack suit. And, you know, it's fun. It's a fun, good time with people. But I, I don't I just don't do that. I don't yeah. engage with it. And that's the thing. I don't have to spend money on it. That money's been put into it yeah. years ago. And yeah. I still won't do it because I know somewhere a number is ticking up with every disc spin on that server that I'm playing that gives them something that contributes to the fucking payout Bobby Kotick is going to get. Yeah. Which, if I remember correctly, the situation with that is if he is terminated before his contract is up or whatever, like if for any reason... Like, I think the highest payout involves a buyout of the company in which he's forced out of his position. And that's uh-huh. where the like, he's going to get 300 million comes from. Yeah, for sure. Is with them buying it and subsequently pushing him out, he just gets a bunch of fucking money. And everyone's like, well, at least he's gone. It's like, no. And, you know, <laughs> at least he is gone, I guess. It's something, but you have to assume if Bobby Kotick was fucking just like, posing as female employees and emailing people that 
someone else on the board of people that really likes him is probably engaging in some of that behavior. And the whole thing with yeah. the unionization and just the, the series of events is so insane now with the Microsoft thing because those those agreements and deals and and changeovers take time and no one knows when it started. Yeah. No one knows when that first agreement was made and like it's and it's hard to like you wanna you wanna kinda try to champion Xbox, I guess, because they've done a lot to 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 like work on the side of the consumer in a way that some companies don't. But at the end of the day, they are a Microsoft company and I don't really know that Microsoft's ever been in that game fully. And so I guess you just have to accept the very real possibility that all that is just posturing to get money. They don't yeah. care about you. They just want to make sure your money keeps coming in. But it's a complicated issue because we consume things and we want to consume things and not feel bad for consuming them. Yeah. And like, where does it leave you when one of the biggest companies in gaming is consuming one of the worst companies in gaming into its larger, you know, business yeah. entity or whatever? Or, you know, Square Enix is like, no, we love NFTs, man hope you don't like Final Fantasy because you're never playing another one again now. <laughs> like, you know, wh- where do you go when everything... Because, you know, like, yeah, I know indie games, and I've said it a million times, you should be playing those games. Right. You know, we all like a thing that's big. Right. We all like a big property. We like the blockbuster spectacle of it all or whatever, or the production value, whatever it is. So what happens when Bandai Namco is like, NFTs, we're on it. Yeah. Like, d- does the Zero Brightness Discord effectively shut down when that happens? <laughs> does everyone go away because there's no Dark Souls to talk about anymore? Or will I have to be like, I'll ban you. I'll ban all of you if you say a Souls word. You'd love to have that. I would love it. So, but, but you know, but I don't want it. I don't want Bandai Namco to do that. Right, it's bad right. for fucking everybody. And I just want, I want to play Elden Ring. It looks like a fun game. Yeah, no, for sure. And so and it's just, it's yeah. an upsetting precedent as things evolve and so my hope is that microsoft is just like we can't say anything yet we just have to let this play out until our names on all the deeds and then we can be like no it's okay for you to unionize i think the big thing is that people there's two things here people need to fucking stop simping for corporations because they don't give a fuck about you and they probably actively hate you they're anti-life mm-hmm. they're anti-human mm-hmm. like corporations fucking hate you and they want you to die so stop simping for them stop being like oh, oh yeah ooh, daddy blizzard give me my next titty game like shut the fuck up mm. grow the fuck up they all hate you and it's like that's number one <laughs> and you know maybe that's it like just stop oh, so we need to talk about titty games more okay. <laughs> no there's no more talk of that uh, damn Hey, it's Ollie here a few days later, so I remembered the other thing that I wanted to say, so I'm just going to drop it in here as a little edit. So what I really wanted to talk about here was the idea of too big to fail. Um, For some reason, gamers are obsessed with the idea of too big to fail. Uh, They bring it up all the time, they use it as an excuse to like not ethically consume things or not have any sort of like morals or standards when it comes to the companies that they financially support. And it's such a fallacy. It is at its root core a logical fallacy, right? I mean, it's a it's a term and an idea that comes from the financial 
market. And the idea is that if a company or an organization is large enough, that has enough cash or assets or holdings or lines of credit that you can't sink it, like it'll never go down, right? And it's a fallacy because when we say that you shouldn't support these companies, the end goal isn't to sink these companies. It's not for all of these companies to close or be parted out by their investors or anything like that, because that doesn't benefit anybody but the investors, but like the board, you know? The goal is to get them to change their policies, to acknowledge their wrongdoing and address the people who are unhappy with the way that they act and change things, right? Because like, I think if you just keep approaching it like, too big to fail, too big to fail, too big to fail, nothing is ever going to change. And the things that we want are so reasonable and in my opinion, so within reach. like better rights for workers, you know, that's obviously the big one, the huge one, uh, you know, more mindfulness when doing PR, more respect for your audience, more respect for your audience's, you know, privacy and human rights and things like that. And so I think like, so when people jump in and use the too big to fail argument to, refute any sort of action towards those points, it really pisses me off because it's really emblematic of like a super deep and depressing apathy that I've talked about before on the show. I always call it like the South Park political stance where it's like everything sucks. Everybody sucks. There's no reason to ever support anything or try and change anything. Like it's just the most like pure and childish form of nihilism. And like I said, it's just, it's untrue. It is a logical fallacy. Things fail all the time. Video game launches fail. Companies fail. World governments fail. Everything has a fail state. It's just a question of what that fail state looks like and what you hope to accomplish from that fail state. So even like someone's stock price taking a tumble can be a fail state. It's not the end of the company, but it means that they have to reassess things and do things differently. This also gets into how you look at political change. I mean, obviously right now it's very popular to look at things as like revolutions, right? Like we want this sudden revolution now. We want change to happen now, which is true. I want that too. Everybody wants that. But in reality, political change and social change takes a long time. It's very slow and it has certain steps in the process. I think that a lot of times people forget that certain social issues or political issues that we now generally see as accepted took a long time to get there. And it wasn't just that there was a core group of people with at one point radical ideas fighting for that idea to be accepted and fighting for that idea to go mainstream. But it's also that that idea had to slowly disseminate outwards. That idea had to slowly be seen as acceptable and logical and reasonable by everybody. And sometimes the first step is just people saying, we support this, right? Like, here's an example for you, something that I think we're in the middle of here. Student loan forgiveness, right? 
Student loan forgiveness is a super generational idea, and it's really hitting people who are in my generation, which is roughly like the millennials, right? Because people who are significantly older than us don't really deal with this issue. They've already sorted out student loans in whatever way they're going to. People younger than us a lot of times don't deal with this issue as much either because a lot of people are just choosing not to go to college. Our generation was the one where we sort of got scammed into going to college. They said, you have to go to college. So everybody did it. And then everything went to shit. The job market changed. The economy changed. Everything changed. And so we're left working very, very, very low paying jobs while also being saddled with super, super crazy student debt. So when the idea gets floated politically, hey, we should forgive student debt or we should do something about student debt, our generation gets really, really excited. However, it takes some time to spread outwards. The younger people will probably latch onto it because they're overall more radical, but it's also something that doesn't directly affect them as much. The older people are probably going to resist it initially, but eventually the people who are more left-leaning, and especially as they skew further and further left as things progress and time goes on, they'll eventually accept it. Right now, we're in the middle because we've been getting a lot of promises about this, dealing with like student debt forgiveness, some sort of overhaul of the system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, from politicians. So we're getting promises, we're getting commitments, but nothing is happening yet. But I think due to the fact that you're seeing that acceptance slowly spreading and the fact that you're starting to see these commitments, I would assume that sometime within the next decade, we're going to see some sort of middle ground solution. Do I think it'll be toll student debt forgiveness? Absolutely not. Do I think it'll be significant policy changes that affect a lot of people in America? Yes, I do think that's going to happen. So when we look at labor reform within the video game industry, getting companies to actually make solid commitments is a good first step. Getting people to actually come out, not people, like companies and people at the top of companies, CEOs, boards, things like that, to actually come out and say, yes, we support this idea. We're committed to making something like this happen is actually an important step. So I think that gamers need to abandon the too big to fail. And also, as I'm going to keep talking about in a second here, need to abandon simping for corporations because we really need to be looking out for each other and be acting with a mind towards future political progress. Like, because it's possible. It's real. It's possible. It can happen, but it does require the mindset shift of everybody to say, we are just going to keep harping on this. We're going to keep pushing this agenda because eventually it is going to gain a lot of acceptance and it's going to be something that the people who make decisions, the higher ups of these companies can't just ignore. Now, if everybody has that fucking South Park mentality and it's like, nothing's ever going to change, everything sucks, everyone's stupid, then we're just slowing that down, right? Like. We're just extending the amount of time that people have to argue about this shit and snipe at each other in comment sections and write op-eds and all this shit. Uh, and that's no fun and it sucks. Like we just need to get on the same page about this shit. Yeah, so that was my point. All right, okay, now back to the previously recorded conversation. 
it's just like stop simping for corporations they don't care about you you know it's like even like yeah you look at microsoft it's like okay i hope microsoft does something good with this trash fire company that they bought but also microsoft was investigated in the 90s for being antitrust and they Mm -hmm. you know nothing came of that but like they are (laughs) like they created they are essentially the people who created the uh monopolistic ecosystem right like when you buy Mm -hmm. into the windows ecosystem you're kind of stuck there and they've done everything they can to stick you in there through business practices because like you know you can look at apple and say they do the same thing but it's literally all just through like cult of personality for the most part like it's really easy to leave the apple ecosystem if you want it's incredibly hard to leave the windows ecosystem like if you buy into it so it's like whatever corporation you think is good is not good you know what i mean i think the ubiquity of microsoft helps kind of curb that a little bit too because it's all with it's always within reach wherever you are yeah because it's it is the global computing juggernaut so you you always have access to your stuff it's as as long as you're in that ecosystem you never really go without but you know if you're a Mac person, it's a little easier to be put into a position where you're outside of that that network. Yeah, yeah. And so having the ubiquity of of Windows and all that stuff, it it feels more like no, this is just like the free the thing that everyone uses. It's groovy, man. Apple's the one that like locks you out of everything. It's like no, they both do it. It's just Apple has a smaller share of it. Yeah, exactly. They're they, honestly they're just less efficient at it. Like that's it. That's the difference. They and just so made like, stuff that looked nicer, and so weirdos like yeah. to be weird. But there are weirdos everywhere. Turns out. Yeah, exactly. So it's like there there isn't a good corporation. Like you have to be looking at things from the standpoint of like what do you believe in right so maybe you believe in people then like you're going to be pro-union and you're going to be against this or like maybe you really believe in the environment so you're going to be really anti-crypto and nft scams and all shit like you have to pick a position because if you just sit here trying to support the companies you like you're just gonna get fucked that's the bottom line like nobody wins the only way in which you quote unquote win is if you buy into the like cult of personality enough that you're like i'm a nintendo kid like you know like you're in fourth grade in the 90s or whatever and it's like it's it's pathetic stop it you're an adult grow up like there there's nothing else to say i've been saying that this whole time but like i'm really just like Ubisoft is doubling down on NFTs being the future, I'm doubling down on that gamers need to grow up and they need to realize that they have personal responsibility. Part of their personal responsibility is to not support companies that pull this shit and to be vocal about their rejection of it. And like I've said over and over, it's going to suck and it's going to be uncomfortable at times. So like, but like I said, this shit is all connected. Like it's getting to the point where all this stuff is coming together. So like I was talking about with NFTs, with like there's huge, huge problems with cybersecurity. We're also like already dealing with that. Like if Bandai Namco doesn't fix the fucking servers by Elden Ring launch and can like very, very clearly demonstrate that they fix the servers, I'm not going to play the fucking game. Do you know what's one oh, of yeah. the like two and a half things I'm looking forward to in this fucking miserable life is playing Elden Ring and I'll put it off <laughs> yep. if 
it doesn't square with what I think is right. They'll push it back. I think if it's that bad with the servers, they'll delay it. I think. Yeah. But that's what I mean. It's like, it's, it used to be, and I even said in earlier episodes that there's a lot of confusion between what is a consumer issue and what's like an ethics issue. And I still think that's true, but those lines are getting blurred more and more and more to the point of like, like that's like that's why I said that's why this episode, even though in some ways there are a bunch of seemingly disconnected topics, they're all connected because it's like okay, the company that busts unions and doesn't believe in rights for its workers doesn't believe in rights for its consumers either. Like it doesn't believe mm-hmm. in the rights of its clients. It doesn't believe in the rights of anybody. So it's like if you want to try and compartmentalize everything, guess where you're going to end up being a fucking reactionary and you know where that ends up you in an ill-fitting suit sitting across from a little (laughs) monkey man telling everyone that you think fracking is the future do you want that that's what you know that's the question now that's it that's the end point yeah it's we're just back at ethical consumption again time is a flat circle uh yeah i mean that's that's it yeah i just it's it's tough and it like it's the lines are blurred, but I think you're like you're better served just siding with caution. Just yeah. Going, well, presumably none of these people care or give a shit about anyone except themselves. So why don't I just stop? Yeah. Contributing to what lines their pockets. There's a big crossover in my mind between people who are like, I got a bad token and they stole all my monkeys and I bought game day yeah. one and it bricked my computer. Like, it's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. And it's like, if you refuse to learn, if you refuse to grow, if you back every horrible Kickstarter, if you give money to every shifty looking scam that you come across, you're gonna get fucked. And you're gonna fuck everybody else too. Not in the fun way, in the shitty way, in the bad deal gone wrong, in the one more job where everybody gets shot that kind of way look if you buy nfts you're not fucking anybody you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah that that's actually the bottom line right there thank you for listening to zero brightness if you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there.